0: So are relationships a part of that? Um, Is working a part of that? Because you can't give so much energy to your relationships that you take away time from your purpose as well. And then once you've identified those things and make a conscious effort on a weekly basis.
1: Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today, we are sitting down with the one and only MJ Harris. MJ is somebody who's doing some big things in the insurance space and in the online education space, okay? He's got his insurance agency called National Care uh, with over 1,500 team members. They're doing some massive things in the insurance space. Has allowed him to grow a massive, massive info product business as well. So in this episode, he's gonna be diving deep on how he was able to do that, how it took him 13 tries to get it right in entrepreneurship and really hit some serious success and how he was able to keep going throughout that entire process until he was 30 years old to hit that first success. I guess he was putting in the work. He's gonna talk about how in middle school and high school he was hustling. He was continuing to hustle throughout college. He ended up going to grad school, still hustling that entire time and then eventually was able to see some huge success in the insurance space and then expand that out into other industries as well. So if you want to hear the mindset behind an amazing entrepreneur, um, the amazing MJ Harris, this is the episode for you. So I want you guys to sit back, relax, plug in, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money. All right, MJ, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm
0: feeling real good, Apple. This is wonderful. I love talking to other young people about how to shift their mindset so they can attract the money into their life that they desire.
1: Mm, that is the truth. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So MJ, I'm stoked to dive into it. Um, our listeners got to hear a bit about you in the intro to this episode, but for those of them that don't know who MJ Harris is, what you're doing right now, give us a 60 second snapshot of like where you're at right now.
0: Yeah. So what's happening in my life right now is that i am the ceo of two companies that are doing pretty well um the first company is called national care we're one of america's largest black owned financial services companies as of today i think i've got about just around 1500 team members who've joined my team since we started we're doing incredible so we're based right here um in los angeles um in addition to that i also have my projection company that produces tons of online courses and online videos. So some folks who recognize my face, it's because of the work of my production company. We um, currently have out 11 online courses and five subscription-based online communities. And everything we do is all about teaching people how to live their best life, however they define it. And I'll tell you this for myself, when I think of living my best life, having money is always involved in that because I don't care when you say, I wanna live in peace, I wanna have joy, I wanna have this. It's very hard to access those things without money. You know, people say you don't need money to. happy I say well you must you must have never had no money because I'll tell you this much money is a hell of a down payment on happiness baby it's hard to get to it without it. and so for me that's what I do and I do all this because with my own life I didn't start out with all this stuff you know I grew up with basically no money dealing with a parent who was overcoming a drug addiction dealing with abuse myself dealing with a, a learning disability I had a lot of challenges that a lot of people would have said omitted me and prevented me from being able to live the life I'm living today. And so for me, I took steps to transform my life and that's what I do every single day within my life is teach people how to do the exact same thing for themselves.
1: Mm, that is what's up. I'm so stoked to dive into it. And, and I, I really like what you said there about like money being involved in so many different things because a lot of people, whether they like it or not, like money is going to be a big factor and a big player in your life. So, so figuring out how to get control of it, how to, how to make more of it, how to spend less of it, and how to just be responsible with it is, is so important. That's one of the main reasons why I do what I do here.
0: Absolutely. It's vital work.
1: Absolutely. So let's dive into it. I like to start off all the episodes by like flashing back in time to your early upbringing, talking like middle school and high school years. I know you brushed over that a little bit just now, but talk to us about that time period for you. Were you someone who's getting started um, in the entrepreneurial space, helping other people? Um, Were you getting into sports, into school? Like what that looked like for you?
0: yeah so when i was in if i go back to middle and high school i was definitely very entrepreneurial at that point in time there's a couple of reasons why as i mentioned earlier i've got to learn disability so for me i learned to read much later than the other kids math was a terrible subject for me which is so ironic because i own a large financial services company today but it was a lot of, i had a lot of challenges so i didn't have the confidence to believe um that i was going to become the next doctor or lawyer or or something like that that would have required or what i thought would have required you to have a lot of academic smarts because that wasn't me so i was a very practical kid and i said well what do i need to do in order to be able to survive and not just survive but i want to live good i wanted money when you grow without money you either to me you go one of two options you either say you settle for a life in the future it's going to be the same way or you say i want something completely and totally different and so when i said i want a life that actually has financial stability in this thing where i can have financial abundance for me I began to realize that entrepreneurship was a path towards it. And you know who helped me to realize that, Apple? It was my mother. My mother, she said to me, she was like, you know, she says, entrepreneurs don't really have to be that great in school at all. You can start a business. You can hire. She says, you don't need an MBA. You can hire an MBA, right? And so when she started telling about entrepreneurship, in my teen years, I used to do this. I I remember we would go to Costco and Sam's and, and they had the little big, the big um, packs of like Snickers and, and M&Ms and Skittles. So what I did was I said, Mom, I said, because my allowance was $10 a week. I said, Mom, uh, no, it was $10 every two weeks, my apologies. I said, Mom, can you please advance me and loan me my allowance for the next month or two um, so I can buy a box of Snickers, a box of um, Skittles, I remember Skittles, um Skittles, um, Snickers, and I think I had like the, the, um, the peanut M&Ms in the yellow pack. And so she advanced me it, and she said, you will pay me back my money. I said, I promise you I will. I went in there and I tell you this, I tell you this Apple that week I made $250. And so I said, I said, here's your money back with interest, honey. And that got me into entrepreneurship. Now, now see, I'm going to tell you this. Now, y'all don't do this for young folks listening I There were these websites out back in the day where you could go buy term papers and things like that. I was selling term papers, too, to get people so they could get their stuff done in school. This was in high school. I, I mean, entrepreneurship was the thing for me. I remember I had this other business. I forgot all about this one. Um, I was about 15, 16 when I started this one. I bought a book. Called like everything you need to know about the music industry. I was really interested in music at the time, and in the back of the book, they had a listing of different management companies and independent record labels. So I put up a little website, little website, and I said, I said, um, I said, if you're looking to be submitted to record labels. Contact me and we'll do it for you. And I went to these little websites for independent artists and I said, we, we can submit you to record labels. And that's what I did. I provided a valuable service. They paid me a couple dollars and I would and I would take their demos, which they would mail to me and they paid the postage. And I would and I would mail it with a cover letter different record labels on their behalf. And I made money on that. So entrepreneurship was, I always look for how can I provide people with a product or service that I know that they want. That's the key. You don't have to be innovative. You just need to give people what they want. And I always had an eye for identifying what do people
1: want. Hmm. So was your mom an entrepreneur? Cause like, I feel like a lot of people growing up didn't have that kind of support, those kind of ideas being, being given to them.
0: No, my mother was the first from an entrepreneur. My mother um, is a licensed clinical social worker. Um, oh. My mother works, um, and when I was a kid, she worked in the inner cities, um, basically like a social worker, so because she's a clinical social worker, she practiced therapy, so she'd be the person who sit on one-on-one with. And so my mother was not an entrepreneur at all. I remember when I would walk around with her, and we walked walk through these beautiful neighborhoods, sometimes on Sunday afternoons, she'd take me to beautiful neighborhoods just to inspire me. And we walk around, and I'd say, "Oh, Mom, I want to have that house and that house. In fact, I want to combine those two houses together. And she would just say, but what about the children all around the world who don't have a big house? My mother's really all about that. She's not about capitalism, entrepreneurship, nothing like that. And I say, well, guess what? If I can afford a house this big, then I can build a shelter for them, too. So, I mean, it's, I don't have to just, I don't, it doesn't have to just be me or just or them. We can do both. And so for her, I think what she would always tell me, and I remember her saying this because she says, she says, I don't know how I birthed you but I made a conscious choice. Even though I did not understand everything you thought, we had completely different mindsets on money, I was gonna support you in being your best self. And it's so crazy to see my mother today, today is the general manager of my um, of my insurance agency. Uh, she's making a very, very good living. She's on vacation. Just, just since January, she's been to Dubai, um, Aruba, Brazil. Where'd she just go to Dubai, Aruba, Brazil? Someplace in Africa. Um, and all these other places. Every month she goes on she goes someplace. And I will say so capitalism and entrepreneurship has benefited her quite well at
1: this stage. <laughs> it definitely sounds like it. So how did you transition then from these little side hustles you were starting um throughout high school to to the places where you're at now? I mean, did you end up going to college? It sounds like education was something that was pretty highly regarded in your family. So, like what did that look like for you?
0: So, the way that I transitioned was through I kept doing entrepreneurship over and over and over and over again. I think a lot of people give up entrepreneurship too early because their initial businesses are not a success or not as successful as they'd like, or sometimes they're just an outright failure. Like, you just lose a lot of money um, on it. And I think that that's the wrong way to go. My most successful business, or actually, my first successful business, didn't happen until my 13th business. Wow. And I was almost 30 by then. Okay, um, in terms of when I realized the success of that business, I know I have this young face, my dear, but I'm I'm a little older um, than some of the <laughs> listeners. And so for me, I did go to college. Um, I did. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go, and it's so funny because although my mother, she's got a bachelor's degree, two master's degrees. My dad's got a college degree. You know, so very educated family. Um, my mother came to me right before I was supposed to go to college, and she says, "That is my mother." Southern black woman. She said, She's now you sure you gonna go you gonna you ain't gonna go to college and mess with my money? I said, What you mean? I said, You paying for it? She said, She says, Yeah, I got a co sign for student loan. You don't got no credit. She said, so you gonna if you're gonna go over there and mess over my money and just don't go to college, you don't have to go. And I said, I don't have to go. I mean, this is shocking to me. I'm like, I don't have to go to college. What you mean I don't gotta go to college? Listen, honey, you got other things you can do. I wanna tell you this early on in life. I thought he was gonna mess over in school I told you this, but you really don't have to go to college. And so I said, I was like, oh, and I I wasn't ready for that because, again, I didn't have a high level of confidence in myself. So I was still trying to conform to what I thought society wanted me to be, which go get a college degree and all this other stuff. And nothing wrong with the college degree if you choose to get it. But I was trying to conform to that. So I said, let me go to college because I was afraid that I would not have a path ahead of me if I didn't go to college. I believed in that whole narrative that you need a college degree to be successful. And and so I went to college. Um, I will tell you that college was um a great maturing experience if i could do it all over again i would not go everything about my life everything i've learned everything i do every place that my money comes from has nothing to do with my college degree so am i discouraging people from want to college? No, but I'm a, I'm a bigger proponent of people that having a break year or something like that, sometime in the world to discover who they are, discover what they want to do, and then determine from there if going to college makes sense. That way they will not only go to college, but they will choose the path or trade school for that matter that is directly applicable to what they want to do. I, for me going to college, that was a very expensive proposition. Okay, college is very expensive. But do you not know this, Apple? In order for me to start my insurance business, which, which was my first successful business, it cost me less than five hundred dollars. So I spent two hundred dollars to go to uh, one hundred fifty dollars to go to a um to go to an insurance licensing class at a Holiday Inn in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Um, then I spent maybe seventy five dollars to take the test. So we're at 225 at this point in time. The rest of the money, I'm just kind of buffing it up because I think that I may have started an LLC, which cost $100 at that time. And then I bought some business cards and a fresh pair of shoes. So I said, you don't want to be selling nothing with ugly shoes. And so with that said, when you think about it, I barely spent $500. To start a business that has produced far more money for me than my friends who got master's degrees and doctors and everything else so again I'm not against college but if I knew then what I know what I knew now I would have probably taken some years off before deciding to go to college that way I can make sure that it was really what I needed.
1: need hmm. so what would you say to the person who's thinking about taking those years off like what would you have done in those years or what do you think would be beneficial for the listener to do in those years
0: I think that, you know, the beautiful thing about not going to college and not having a student loan (laughs) is that you have freedom to be able to try different things. So what I would do is I would say, what is it that I enjoy doing most? Take off the table, how will this make me rich or how can I build a business from this? What do I enjoy doing most? Period. Whatever that is for me, I always enjoy speaking. I always enjoy motivating people. I always enjoy be- being able to help people. But maybe for someone else, it's art. Maybe for someone else, it's design. Maybe for someone else, it's something with technology. But what do I enjoy doing most? And then, what I would do at that point in time is I would then go and I would um, find a business large or small or an organization large or small that does something similar to that and say, hey, how can I be an intern for you? Even if it's unpaid, because remember you don't have a student loan at this point in time. So you don't have you don't have to the, the worry about paying bills every month. You know, in theory you, you don't. Um, and i even if I can only be there for five hours a week or ten hours a week, I would try to get exposure within that industry. I would try to find a mentor within that industry that interests me most and then I would build from there that's what I would have done during my break time
1: mm, that is that's the biggest thing I see a lot of people like they're afraid to work for free because they think they're like setting their value at zero uh, and they're just like afraid to do it but in the grand scheme of things like working for free has really really helped me get ahead in the industries that I'm trying to get ahead in and connect with people that I want to connect with and it's just been such a door opener in so many different areas that I am totally totally with you on that yep all right, so you go to school, um, but then you end up you end up getting out, and then it takes you a while to get that first business success. So, like, what was happening between when you got out of school and when you first like got thirty years old, and then you had that success with the insurance?
0: So when I first graduated college, I still did not have a lot of confidence in my ability to be an entrepreneur. So I said, "Let me go for more school." And I'm not trying to call anybody out, but I think that for a lot of people, they get degree after degree after degree, not because they really want all those degrees, but because they're not sure what to do so they think well with more school i'm upping my chances of success i was one of those people So I went to grad school for a program that focused on architecture and interior design. So basically the people who are not picking out the pillow covers, but the people where after the building is the the outer structure design, planning where the bathrooms are going to go, where the walls are going to go. I was going to become an interior architect. Um, And I just always loved design. I always had an interest in that, clearly, as you can see by by this room that I'm sitting in (laughs) in my home. Um, And so I did that. I lasted in that program for about a year um, because I was like, I don't think I want to do this for a living just don't think I don't want any more school. I don't want any more loans. And so I left school and I decided to focus on some form of entrepreneurship. So I started doing short sales um, in Philadelphia, which is where I was in school at the time. Um, I just started doing short sales with real estate, which is a form of real estate sales that at the time did not require a real estate license. Um, And then I, from there, um, the market crashed about a year into that. That was the big, when the bubble burst, the market crashed like 2008, 2009 time period and I didn't know what I was going to do so one of my friends worked for a temp agency and he said he said um he says um we have a job opening up at a at a at a financial institution would you like the job there as a temp I said, how much does it pay he says i think 17 or 16 dollars an hour and i was like fine take it i'll take it fine that, that's fine for me that's like thirty-two, thirty-four thousand dollars a year if you're working full-time i said i'll take it and they got health insurance they said yeah that's fine i'll take it you get real practical when when the economy's falling apart I took the job there. What, that was the, one of the best experiences I could ever take because through being working there, I was working at the credit union within the World Bank. So you have some of the richest people in the world who are depositing their paychecks and doing their investments, and I could see their money. And I was like, people in the world got this kind of money? What do they do? And so that, that increased my interest. Well, anyway, um, as, as luck and faith would have it, I, opened, I eventually got um, a friend who said, listen, my company is a big consulting firm. It's hiring people. You're probably not qualified for the job, but I can teach you what to say in an interview. He did that, and they hired me this. My salary went from like $34,000 to $72,000, $73,000 to work for this consultant firm. I was completely unqualified for it, but Apple, it was the best thing ever because what happened there was they had this little program, and if you work for a big company, I encourage you to look and see if your company has the same program, where it said if you refer to them someone who they end up hiring, they will pay you a referral bonus. So that company was paying bonuses of $2,500, to $7,500 per person that you refer to them who they hired, And I was like, why are people not doing this? Well, no one knew about it. So I started hosting my own little happy hours and events to tell them that we were hiring for this company. I probably shouldn't have done that back then, but whatever, I didn't know any better. And so I did it. That first year, I got seven people in. Seven people in all getting paid between 2500 and 7500 The next year, I got about 14 to 15 um, people in this so I was making all this extra money. I'm like, this is great. And it got that entrepreneurial drive going inside of me because now I've created a business inside of a business. Well, here's what, what luck will have. The economy slowed down again, so they stopped hiring. And I said, what the hell am I going to do? And I started to hate my job at that point. I just didn't like it. So here was the the saving grace, my grandmother. My grandmother has owned a little tiny insurance agency just outside of Dallas, Texas, um, since 1981. And she said, baby doll, why don't you you go ahead and get yourself an insurance license um, as a way to earn extra money. You know, you don't have to focus on it full time, but just, you know, do it as a side hustle. Just bring in some extra money on the side and then with that extra money, figure out what you want to do next. At the time, I wanted to open um, like a Subway restaurant because I said, I said, good economy, bad economy. I've been through a lot of economic cycles in my young adult years. I said, people got to eat, so let me just open a Subway franchise. Well, within my goal was to save up for a couple years, earning two thousand. I said I want to earn at least two thousand seven hundred fifty dollars in commissions off of insurance each month. Just doing the side hustle, which, you know, I now know is pretty easy, but at the time that seemed very daunting. Well, six months in, I earned one. I earned ten thousand one hundred nine dollars in my six month Never saw a month less than that since, and this was doing part time work. And I said, well. But open in a Subway restaurant, maybe I could focus my energy here because it kind of touches on my basis. I get to communicate. I love to talk, obviously. I get to help people. Well, what better way to help people than to make sure they have, that they have money for if, when they pass away, if ever they're ill or injured, or when they want to retire? These are vital things that people need. And so I started doing that. And my business grew dramatically, dramatically, because I was persistent. But more than anything else, I focused on an area that people need. Everybody's going to die everybody's going to become ill or injured at some point in time. I don't mean to sound like the bearer of bad news, but this is a reality. And everyone's going to probably want to retire. With my insurance license, it allowed me to sell products that could meet people in all those areas. And what I did beyond that, beyond focusing on what everyone needed, because I'm all about need, I focused on underserved groups. So initially, my primary audience for selling insurance was I focused on um, women, primarily primarily women of color, really, because these were communities that people were not focusing on. When you looked at a traditional insurance agency, they were focusing on men, independent of race. They were focusing on men to sell insurance to. And so I said, what if I I focus on women who are underserved? So women they got money. But no one's focusing on them around this stuff. And it grew dramatic. It grew so much so that I ended up getting featured by Oprah a couple of years into my business. And um, things grew dramatic. I was doing, you know, my videos, which I had been doing on the side, like as a video blog, just doing those on the side. Um, that ended up taking off significantly. And both businesses just grew dramatically.
1: So you mentioned a couple of times that you didn't really have confidence at the beginning. Was this like this point right here where you're getting all this momentum? Was that really when your confidence started to develop or was that different?
0: You would think so. You would think that success and money would build your confidence. But here's one things I always tell people is that success and money just makes you more of who you already are. So some people think about making more money and having successes. Once I have this, I'm going to feel better about myself. I'm going to feel like I'm enough. Finally, I'm going to feel like I'm worthy. Finally, so they're chasing the money because of the emotional healing that they think the money is going to bring. That wasn't my experience. And most wealthy people will tell you that that's not how it happens. What money and success did was it allowed me to be more of what I already was. I was struggling with my confidence and with my self-esteem. And so when I had more money it was just even more struggles with because now you have the factor of, of you got money, you got success. and It's very visible to people and you start and, and your confidence goes down. Like, I don't know if I deserve all this. Maybe I just got lucky and all that. And so for me, you know, people are buying a lot of my products they're watching a lot of my videos and all of that. And they would come up to me on the streets. This is when I first started to get recognized on the streets and they would say to me, um, you know, I love your work. I love your work. And I was with my mother and she says to me one day, she says, she says, she says, do you really receive when people tell you that they like your work and that they, and that they appreciate you and everything you do. And I said, they're just being polite. She says, no, 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 they're being honest. You need to look inside of yourself and what's going on with you. Why you've gotten all this and you still, don't have high confidence. I had to look at that. For me, I'm a big proponent of therapy, so I went ahead and did therapy as a way to um, as a way to deal with it. I think I really think that some things are great to deal with with the professional. And I went and dealt with therapy, and and I and I and I, and I talked through those things that affected my confidence. And my confidence turned around. And here's the thing: the more naturally confident I became in myself, independent of the money and the success and all the and the fame stuff, when the more when the more I became naturally confident, the more successful I became because my mind became open to more opportunities. Often we turn down or self-sabotage the opportunities that are right in front of us to become successful because we don't have the confidence to walk in it. So we talk ourselves out of it.
1: Mm. That's powerful To, to have someone so close to you, like call you out on that is, is, is a really valuable thing. And I think a lot of us are, are afraid to, to receive that from people because like, we don't want like our mom telling us like, Like you need to step it up. Like you need some confidence. Like you're getting the success you need to like embrace like where you're at. So I think that's, that's really cool that she did that.
0: Yes. yes, It was the most helpful thing. I think that that's one of the most beautiful things around having those people around you that, that just know you. Um, you rather it's your mother your close friends and I talk about my mother a lot we're very close but you know I have other people in my world as well who serve the same role you my best friend my mom my grandmother these people who, who are around you through thick and thin high and low times yes your relationships with them will have highs and lows but at the core they know you I think it's so important to nurture authentic real relationships with those people um, because they are going to see you and they sometimes can see things. they can see your blind spots sometimes in ways that you can't
1: Hmm. So one thing that that I get a lot of questions about from the listeners is like balancing your relationships with your business, because a lot of the listeners are entrepreneurially minded. They're running some kind of business, some kind of project on the side. And once you get really into that and you're really passionate about it, that can take up a lot of your time and a lot of your thoughts and a lot of your energy. So like, how have you thought about that as the CEO of like two pretty sizable companies right now? How do you balance your your time with that and your time with relationships?
0: Well, I think you have to get rid of the concept of balance. Balance. Hmm. I think. Wonderful is a wonderful thing to write about in magazines, but I think that balance is something that looks different on every day. On you know, some days, balance for me is that I, I'm able to do a half hour call with my closest friends. I'm so busy and that's all I can do. On some days, balance is that I'm sitting on a beach for four days straight, and I'm only focused on family and friends and I'm not answering any work emails. In fact, I turn off the email app on my phone. So balance looks different, I think. What you have to be able to do is identify what are the priorities in my life that are gonna make me happy and keep me healthy and whole. So are relationships a part of that? Um, Is working a part of that? Because you can't give so much energy to your relationships that you take away time from your purpose as well. And then once you've identified those things and make a conscious effort on a weekly basis to say, how do I make sure that each of these areas get meaningful time and energy from me? Recognizing that every day may not be a perfect balance but when I look at my week or my month holistically is everything getting a piece of it now when it comes to relationships for me personally I'm a big believer that listen um, I need people who are like-minded on the same wavelength as me and it doesn't mean that we're making the same money or all that kind of stuff I've got friends around me who make far less than me I've got friends around me who make significantly more than me so it's not about the money like-minded that we both we all view ourselves as being unlimited where anything's possible for us and not only we view ourselves that way but we're willing to pursue our passions and, and do we what we do. So with that understood in some cases I do business with some of my friends, you know, um you know um we help each other out you know we're supporting each other. So from that perspective it provides a lot more time for us to spend together because not only are we great friends but we also are making money together and supporting each other in that realm. So for me I have found that it's not hard to balance time with my family and friends because we are so much like minded that we find ways to integrate and support each other and work together. So I'm always around my friends, you know, a a lot because of the fact that our lives merge together on multiple planes.
1: I love that so much. So you were having some success with insurance. Um, Things were picking up for you. When did you decide to go out there and transition and to start your own company?
0: So uh, (laughs) I started my own insurance agency probably six months into being licensed to sell insurance. Really? Yeah, it was pretty quick because Um, I started out with a very, 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 very large insurance carrier. They were great, but it felt too much like my day job. Right, it was you go into this big corporate office and everyone's got suits on and it felt so formal and they want you to be here at this time and leave at this time. I'm like, well, I'm an independent contractor working on commissions. What does it matter to you where I'm at by nine o'clock in the morning? I didn't get a license to, so I could have someone tell me what time to wake up. So that didn't resonate with me too much. Um, and so I went and I went to join a little tiny insurance agency. And I felt equally constricted. I didn't feel like the compensation level was commiserate with, with what I deserved as for someone who could sell as well as I could sell. Because so I, I came out the gate selling pretty well. And so for me, I was talking to my grandmother and she says, why don't you start your own insurance agency? So it was maybe at noon on that particular day. So I went down the street because um, it was not that far from where I lived to the, um, to the office in Washington, D.C., which is where I was at at the time. And walked in there and did the paperwork to register for an LLC. Now, I didn't know the first thing about what it would mean to start an insurance agency or how to run one. I figured I figured that out as I go. I always say entrepreneurship is like jumping off a cliff and building the parachute on the way down. And so I said, okay, well, I'll just do it. Well, I got into it and I very quickly realized that I really, it was hard to be an agency because most insurance carriers don't want to directly contract you as an agency so, you, so that you can sell directly through them unless you're doing millions of dollars a year in business. At the time, that wasn't my story. So what I did was I said if I, gotta, if I gotta be able to show that I can do millions of dollars a year in business, let me go out and I went to various people who I had met over, the, over that time that I was licensed and I said, hey, why don't you join my insurance agency and put your book of business with me? I'm not gonna take any money off your, off your stuff. I just need your book of business so I can meet the, 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 the business requirements, the numbers to get these contracts. And I had a couple people say yes to me, including my grandmother. And so um, what I ended up doing was I used that to get my first insurance, um, my first contract with a large insurance carrier. And then from there, once one said yes, the other said yes. And I built my agency um, from there. So that was really, uh, I guess, how I went from being just an, an insurance agency, working with someone else to have my own thing.
1: Mm, I love that philosophy of, of building the parachute on the way down, because like you got to that obstacle, you got to that, well, you need to be doing so much. You need to have this many like people, you need to have this many books of business. And instead of seeing that as as an obstacle, you were like, all right, well, let's, let's figure out how to do that. Like, how do I, how do I get there? So instead of like just stopping, you were like, all right, let's find some friends, utilize my network and then, and then get there. And then you just got over that and then you moved on to the next. So I think that's, that's a
0: key when it comes to, and I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no. I reiterate this I think it's really key um, for young entrepreneurs, old entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter to recognize that success in entrepreneurship is not about what you can personally do on your own or what gifts and talents you personally have. Most entrepreneurs you'll find are not very talented in anything outside of putting the right people together. Okay, that's what we're really good at doing, you know. I always say find what you do best and then collaborate with or hire other people to do the rest. There are people who are far smarter than you and they've got far more of the skills, but what they need is a bright mind to say, hey, you got this, I got this, they got this. What if I bring y'all all all together and we make magic together, make magic together, and then this is what the revenue split will look like or this is what the compensation will look like. Entrepreneurs are nothing other than we are simply, we just put the right people in the sandbox together and say, all right, now, play nicely and then we manage that thing and make money off of it
1: <laughs> I love that analogy so so bouncing off of that I mean how do you as an entrepreneur like what are you looking for in people that you want to like bring to the sandbox like how do you know who, who gets who gets a spot and where to put them
0: well the number one thing I look for is, is competency in whatever the area that I'm that I'm bringing you on to do you have to know how to do it I'm not a big believer in I certainly believe in interns I certainly believe in in helping people to kind of get off the ground but I'm not in, I'm not a big believer in giving people roles that are so far stretched that they have a, a high probability of failing. I used to do that where I would, I, I didn't know. I thought I was doing a good thing. I would say, oh, you're my friend and I know you want to be successful. Let me hire my family member or my friend who's not qualified at all. And because I'm trying to help people. So that's the first thing I have to say is when you're bringing on people and deciding who you want to put in your sandbox, take altruism and helping off the table. If you want to help people, donate some of those millions of dollars in profits that you're going to make to, to a charity that, that suits your interest. But hiring and collaboration is not a time of altruism or helping. You need to choose qualified people, period, dot. Because literally, if you don't choose qualified people, it's going to cost you at the end of the day. So that was one of the first things I chose to do. The other thing that I look for in a person is I look for someone who, is, um, who has a burning desire to be successful. You have to have a burning desire to be successful. And how do I know that you can talk to them and learn about them? Look at their track record. I, I ambition is incredibly important to me because you can have a person who's technically competent in an area, but have little to no a- ambition. They can be what I call a steady Eddie. all they're looking for is just give me a job. I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna go home. And they're not gonna be proactive. They're not gonna be thinking about, well, what more can I do to take this to the next level? And Remember what I talked about. You're, you're bringing on people who've got technical skills that you don't have. And you don't know what you don't know. So if I bring you on and you're not proactive about recommending greater ideas to me and pushing it further further than I can even think of pushing forward, then you're not really of value to me at that point in time. So I look for people who are ambitious and, and they have a burning desire to be successful that manifests itself in you always wanting to push things to the next level. Um, beyond that, I also look for people who Do we have a do we have a strong working relationship together? You know, business is like a marriage, no matter who they are. And so you need to be able to get along with them. You need to be able to, to work with them in such a way where do they respect you? This is incredibly important when it comes to hiring friends and things of that nature. You know, I don't mind hiring friends, but when we're in business together, friendship is secondary, okay? So don't be too familiar with me when we're in business. You know, even with my mother, when we're talking to each other, you know, in emails or when I, we're in a business, center, she's Caroline. OK, it's business first. and I love my mother to death respect. I would never call a carol and outside of business setting at all. But the point is, it's business first. You need people who have a high appreciation for professionalism. You know, don't make the mistake that so many people make with their businesses, where they're bringing in every time Dick and Harry, who was their friend, their cousin, their this, their, that, and the other. Because those are easy people to find, and then those people end up indirectly sabotaging your business and your success because they don't treat it like a business. They treat it like, "Well, oh, I'm doing you a favor just by helping you out." But they treat it like something that they don't take seriously. So those are the things I really look for: competency. Number one uh, what was the second thing I said. So it was competency um, that they are very, very, very professional, and that they have a burning desire to be um, that, that they have a burning desire to be uh, successful.
1: Mm. That's that that's super that's super actionable and and as someone who's who's building out my team right now um very very valuable in in really evaluating like who and and what I should be looking for in in someone who is going to join my team. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So talk to us now about the process of of teaching other people because that second business that you mentioned with with the online programs the membership sites when did you sort of start teaching people in a big way cuz I'm sure like throughout Having success in insurance, there were probably people that you mentored from time to time. But like, when did you really like decide that you wanted to start teaching people in a big way?
0: So for me, my second business, which is my production company and products business, that one actually happened before the insurance business. Really? Yeah, I didn't know there was going to be a business though. I started doing YouTube videos. It's almost eleven years now, but about ten and a half years ago. Um, really as an outlet you know some people do vlogs or they do or some people are in community theater is it as an outlet for them they're not really looking to monetize or turn into a business it's just an outlet And so for me, that's what it was for me for all those years. And then when I got featured by Oprah for my insurance business, um, what ended up happening was that brought renewed attention to me. And so people started going through all those old videos that I have been creating for five or six years at that point that really maybe a couple hundred people would watch here and there. It wasn't a big audience at all. And so what ended up happening was people started watching them and they're like, oh my God, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And and he's got hundreds of pieces of content out already. How have we been missing him? and then the views went up 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 and then what ended up happening was i had a really 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 smart um person in the self-help industry who managed a lot of really successful people um he's came to me and he says he says mj harris is a brand and you could be bigger than the beltway the beltway is the highway that goes around dc or freeway that goes around dc and i was like so well, what do you mean i can sell i can sell insurance in virginia i didn't i didn't have a concept of what he was referring to he says no no, no. you can sell anything. he says you're a brand And he explained that to me. He says, let's look at how to monetize this. So what I ended up doing was I ended up creating my first online course. It sold fabulously well. And I was like, oh, my God, this is possible? And so I started doing more and more online courses. And then we started doing tours. And before you knew it, my production company ended up dwarfing the size of my financial services company. My financial services company is pretty large, but the production company, my, I mean, my content reaches, just in the last 28 days, it's reached about nine million people across all of our platforms. So it's a pretty wide reach. And so we leverage that reach as a way to give people messages of hope, empowerment, educate them. And then within the context of that, we certainly are happy to recommend products and services to folks that we believe will also aid them and live in living their best life.
1: Hmm. So talk to the listener now, because I know a lot of young people are are fascinated with this concept of of creating an online course. So what do you think is important to to put in place before you actually go out there? Like before you created your first online course, for example, like what do you what do you wish you would have known, or What do you wish you would have done differently?
0: Well, I think that with an online course, what I wish I would have known is that you don't have to wait in order to do it. You know, now my online course, you know, I've got big production teams. You know, you look at them, they're very, very, very high end, you know, in terms of the look, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You don't need to have all that. You know, some of the best online courses were people sitting at home with their, with their iPhone or their Android phone in a ring light, you know, and they're just teaching in there. It's, it's about the quality of the content more than it's about the production value of how it looks on screen. Uh, so I think that's very important is, is I, I wish, what I wish I'd have known is not to wait. I waited far longer than I should have, but I could have made a lot more money a lot earlier Had mm-hmm. I done it earlier. I think the other thing is in choosing topics, don't choose a topic based on what interests you. Choose a topic based on what interests your audience. I think that's incredibly important. A lot of times with businesses, we choose products and services based on, who I would like this, but you don't, you're not your audience. You think you are, but you're actually not. You don't know who your audience is at the end of the day until you start having a lot of business and you can kind of do the analytics say, oh, this is actually who my audience is and this is actually what they want. So one of the things I recommend to people is a free tip for you is if you have a platform, a social media platform of some sort, I don't care if you're followed by 40 people or 4 million people, go on there and do a quick little video and say, hey folks, I'm thinking about creating an online course that can help you out um, to help you live a better life or help you in your business, whatever your thing is, or help you in your artistic endeavors, whatever your lane is. What would you want to know about if I were to create a course like that? click the link on my Instagram bio to let me know and then what you do is you put maybe three or four topics down on there that you kind of came up with based on what you think are most interesting and leave one extra one they can write in an answer and they'll do that and like you use like a Google form to do that that way you can rate the, um, the responses Whichever one's come out as the top one, you create a course base. And I'll tell you an example of me doing that. Um, one of my friends who also I do business with, Justin Michael Williams, we did the same thing. We're in Hawaii. And, and then we, did, we both did a video on our platform saying, what would you want to know about? People wrote in and they said they want to find their purpose and they want to know how to make money doing what they love. That's what our audience wanted. And so what I, we did was we went and created an online course called How to Find Your Purpose and Make Money Doing What You Love. Um, and that became my best-selling and his best-selling online course ever. It's because we surveyed the audience. So don't try to be innovative. Just ask
1: what y'all want and then give them that. Mm. That's the, I mean, that's the best thing because, like, you got to, you got to, like, if you just try to guess, like, what your audience wants as opposed to, like, just asking them, I mean, 99% of the time, you're just going to guess something completely off.
0: You'll waste a lot of money or you'll sell something up, you'll sell okay, but you're not going to have monster sales. Here's the thing about sales and business that a lot of people think that people think it's, that, it's gonna, that it's an art. And some people just have the gift. No, no, no. The people who are the best salesmen, the people who are the best business people are people who are simply good listeners and people who know how to put their own ego and their own thoughts aside to simply say, what do people want? More importantly, what do they need? And they offer that consistently over and over and over and over and over again. When you think that you know better than your audience, just prepare for a life of, of, of not having much success.
1: Mm-hmm. That's 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 key. Now, when it comes to ego, I mean, in this age of, of social media where everyone's like tweaking over how many followers they have, how many likes they get, like how how do you talk to a young person and, and allow them to like start to disconnect from from that ego and from all of that, like importance that they're placing on other people's opinions of them and the numbers and all that stuff?
0: Well, I think that I, I will say this much about ego. I do think it is it's good to have just a healthy dose, of a little ego for you to sit on a camera or do an online course or broadcast yourself to the world, you sure as hell better have some level of ego and high level of confidence to do that and to deliver at the level, because audiences don't want to just see you be your humdrum self like how I am when I get up in the morning, I'm just going in the kitchen making my protein shake and I'm pretty boring. They want to see that fast of you, that side of you that pulls them in and that engages them. That's, we all have it there, but they want to see that. And so from that perspective, in order for you to show yourself and show yourself in a big way or in a potentially a, re- a revealing way depending on what you want to show, you do have to have enough ego to say to yourself, I'm okay with me, and I think that somebody out there is going to be okay with seeing me as well. So I do think there's a place for that. I think that where the ego gets unhealthy is when you start building your own self-esteem based on the number of likes and followers and shares and subscribes that you have. You have to disconnect from that to be able to say, listen, that is just a number. It is not a reflection of my value. You know, for me, I can tell you about my numbers, and they're great numbers, but at the end of the day, there are people out here who've got 10, 20, 100 times those numbers. I'm not any less valuable than them. I'm not any less important than them. I, I'm not any less enough than them. We just have different numbers. If anything, I, I recognize it. And I say, well, what are they doing that's different to me? And how can I leverage some of that in order to hopefully achieve some of those numbers? But even if I never achieve their numbers, I still have to remember for myself that these things are not a reflection of my personal value. They simply are a reflection of an economic system. Right, because that's the social media is an economic system. They're just reflections of an economic system. They're just numbers, and they will go up. They will go down. It is what it is.
1: Mm. Could not have said that any better myself. It's it's definitely tricky though, especially with with these young people that have grown up like with this being our lives. I mean, all throughout like middle and high school, like just having these things at our fingertips. It's it's tough to disconnect from that, but when you do, there's there's real power in that.
0: Yes, yes, it's freedom. I always tell people, you know, for me, with social media is you know, it's the epicenter of my marketing at this stage. Um, But for me with social media, one of the best things that I have in my own life is that I have a strong sense of self. While I recognize that if if social media went away tomorrow and I was no longer famous, no longer selling anything, I would still be okay. I would still be just fine. There's a whole lot of happy people out here who are living without a camera in their face and likes and shares. In fact, I'd probably say 99.9% of people are living that way. So if they can find a way to be happy without a camera, like and shares, I'm sure I could be too. So I think that's something that people have to remember is that social media and these numbers are not the key to happiness. They simply are just a way to sell and get access to people and to share your light and your life with the world. It is not your life. It's not this social media does not have to be your entire life.
1: Mm. Man, it's been fascinating to get a look inside your head, MJ, and I'm extremely grateful for the, that, you, that you've been a little bit vulnerable and, and sort of peeled back the curtains to, to what's going on and how you've been able to get to places where you're at. And you've been providing a ton of value so far, but I do have some questions now that I'd like to ask all of my guests. So are you feeling ready for those?
0: Yep.
1: All right, let's do it. The first of which is what is something that genuinely has MJ Harris excited right now?
0: My new show. I'm so excited about that. So I'm producing a new a docu-series blog um, for YouTube. It'll be on a couple platforms, but it's gonna primarily live on, on YouTube. So we are in pre-production, just starting to get footage for that. I'm so excited about that. Apple, let me tell you this, every part of my instincts, whether you call it God, the universe, call it whatever you want, has told me this is the best direction to go into. And my audience has told me the exact same things I listen to my audience. And so I'm really excited to be able to share my life in a more expansive way so that, because I know there's so much inspiration to see what I'm doing, it will inspire so many people to to do the same things and hopefully even bigger things. So I'm very excited about that.
1: Mm, I'm excited for that as well. I'll be staying tuned for that for sure. MJ, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, either in your life, uh, your business, really anything that you do on a regular basis?
0: Yeah, I would say one of my top habits is that I'm I'm really digging the law of attraction and manifestation. So before I get out of bed, I say a mantra to myself, and it changes day to day. But generally, what it starts out with is it, it, sometimes it's just this I say, I say, God in the universe is able to do exceedingly. I know God in the universe are doing exceedingly more for me than I could ever ask for or imagine. People are going out of their way to be good to me. I'm achieving a life that's greater than my wildest imaginations, and I'm happy, I'm at peace, and I'm in great health, and so is my family. So I get my mind ready every single day um, with something like that. Beyond that, one of the habits that has been so helpful for me is that I have no problem with cutting people off um, who are no longer a healthy um, uh, part of my life. Here's the thing that we have to remember is that it's very hard to have a successful Happy, productive life. If you're in relationships that are toxic, if you're in relationships with people who are who are who are trying to hold you back, who if you're if you're if you're dealing with people who just are not empowering you, and I'm not saying that everyone needs to be you know cheering for you at every step of the way, but I think you need healthy relationships. And so for me, when I realized that a relationship is no longer serving me, I'm willing to cut that off, and that's probably one of the best things that I could ever do because being in a bad relationship, personal or otherwise, and professional is like an anchor on a ship it's gonna keep you from being able to move as fast and as swiftly as you want to. And so that's a huge habit Um, I think taking care of my health is also a really big piece of what allows me to be successful. Um, You have to think about your health because the fact is getting enough sleep is going to allow you to be more productive and creative. Making sure that you work out and making sure that your body is in in its best physical shape is what's going to allow you to remain healthy, to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Also, aesthetically, it's going to make you look good. Let's be real. People like giving money. People, they like looking. at. Let's just call call it thing a thing. All right? And so you just need to worry about being your best self, whatever that means for you. You know, so those are habits that I think have also been a contributor to my success.
1: Mm, I love those. MJ, I know you're putting out a lot of content yourself. Is there any content you're consuming, whether that's uh, books, audiobooks, podcasts, YouTube channels?
0: Yeah. So um, for me, I am, I've just gotten into the world of podcasts and listening to podcasts for years. I didn't listen to um, quite as many podcasts. I don't, I don't commute really anywhere. I'm always at home, and I, so I'm not like in a car to listen um, to anything. Um, but I would say in terms of the content I'm consuming, I recently – I like to kind of recycle books. So I recently just um, read The Science of Getting Rich. Again, that's a book from like the early 1900s. Love that one. Um, um, I love a book called Building a Storybook Brand by Donald, Donald
1: Miller. Trump.
0: Yep, love that book. Um, I recommend the young entrepreneurs and old entrepreneurs take a look at it. No matter how seasoned you believe you are, I think that you always having alternative perspectives on marketing is always very helpful. Um, I love that um, for content. I'm, I kind of like the tried and true content in terms of motivational content. I'm a big, big, big listener to people like Les Brown, a big listener to people like Bob Proctor. You know, um, I, I love that kind of content. T.D. Jakes, you know, Marion Williamson. Love Oprah Winfrey and everything that, that she puts out on her platform. And so for me, I think I listen to a lot of the things that a lot of folks, a lot of, a lot of listeners, this listen is the same thing I listen to. I think the only difference between me and someone who, who may not have, success that I have at this point is that I made a conscious choice to not just have those amen aha moments where you listen like oh that's good I actually went out and decided to implement those things that's a key Mm -hmm. for me not about what you listen to it's about are you actually taking it and
1: implementing that is key MJ you've been providing so much value man I'm so grateful for that where can our listeners go if they want to follow up with you learn more about you or connect with you in any way shape or form
0: so always 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 my social media platforms are are where you can it's your first start and that's at MJ Harris speaks to It's not, I should say the at sign. So it's MJ Harris speaks. Um, or you can um, watch me directly on YouTube, which is, I'll make it easy for you, www.watchmjharris.com. That's watchmjharris.com.
1: Awesome. And I'll be sure to link up all of those in the show notes for this episode as well. MJ, I'm just extremely grateful for your time and you choosing to spend it here on Young Smart Money. Um, Do you have any last parting thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to leave the listener with?
0: I'll tell you this. I will tell you as a parting it was the same thing I wish someone had told me very early on, which is that to take your dreams seriously. Take them seriously. That burning desire you have inside of you, that's not just something to distract you while you're in class. Not just something that's, that's there for you to daydream while you're working in a job that you don't like. What that is, that is a vision of what you can create for yourself. So take that seriously and recognize that what you desire is exactly what you deserve. It doesn't matter if your past is, it doesn't matter what your education is, doesn't matter what you're going through, doesn't matter what your current circumstances are. What you desire is what you deserve. And once you can lock into that, you will get everything you want because life does not give you what you wish for, or what you hope for. Life gives you what you believe that you deserve.
1: Mm. It's been a pleasure, MJ. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Apple. It's been a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, y'all, that is a wrap. That's another episode of Young Smart Money in the Books. If you guys enjoyed this episode, I got two quick asks of you really quick. The first of which is if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would mean the absolute world to me. We're closing in on 200 views right now. Um, I read each and every one of those. And if you uh, screenshot it, tag me in your Instagram story, I will be sure to repost that as well. The second thing that I want to ask you is if you guys are interested in starting your own podcast, okay, learning how I was able to take young smart money from the ground up, turn it into a top 100 business podcast in a few short months, I put together this free training that I'm giving away to people basically teaching you the secrets to podcasting the stuff that other people aren't really talking about. Like you can find videos online of like the best podcasting setup or like the best podcasting gear, but no one's really talking about how to land big guests, how to network with influencers, how to actually monetize your show. So I want to put together a free training uh, for that. If you guys are interested, the link will be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, you can go to applecritercom slash podcast. That's applecrater.com slash podcast. And check out that absolutely free training that I put together for y'all to uh, get yourself educated in the world of podcasting. Because That's something that I'm really passionate about. So I want to teach others. But guys, that's gonna wrap it up for the show. Don't want to waste too much of your time. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day wherever it leads you. And I'm glad you chose to spend this last hour here on Young Smart Money.